You're listening to Flip This Risk, where it's time for a new conversation about risk management. From the boardroom all the way to the barbershop down the street, you can overcome fear of risk and thrive. Join your host, Dr. Karen Hardy, for candid conversations with industry leaders from across the globe. Dr. Karen brings her experience as an industry thought leader, best-selling author, and Apex Award winner to each episode. On the forefront of today's risk management strategies, helping leaders from small and large businesses overcome risk and feel confident in their choices. Let's start the show. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Karen Hardy, and welcome to Flip This Risk Podcast where we interview high achievers about the relationship of risk-taking and how it influences their leadership abilities. You can check us out at flipthisriskpodcast.com for more information. And I'm very excited today to have as my guest, Mahesh P. Joshi. He is the inventor and founder of Biggie Bills and uh, an interactive uh, strategy thinking system for teaching strategy. Thank you for being here, Mahesh. Thank you, Karen, for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, indeed, indeed. So strategy is one of those, it's a big word. I hear it a lot. A lot of people use it, small companies and big ones too. When we see some success stories when it comes to strategy and we've seen some unsuccessful stories when it comes to strategy, what exactly is strategy before we get into the Biggie Bills game? All right, well, you, you touched upon the uh, pet peeve of me, uh, my uh, existence because too many people use the word strategy very loosely. So in short, I will tell you, uh, strategy is a plan of action. A plan of action that balances between your set of resources at hand with opportunities or threats in the external environment. So that's a very simple way to explain. When you're creating a strategy, you're balancing between what options of actions do you have and which plan of action will you follow and what's the rationale? About that, why is it though that, let's talk about the big companies that we see and we relate to as consumers, like the borders, which don't exist anymore. And the Tories are us, which doesn't exist anymore but the Legos, which does, strategy. So even with these large companies, they seem to not totally get it right. Why is that? Well, the, the, uh, let's go back to that. Creating strategy is balancing between internal environment where you have your resources and your strengths and also knowledge of your weaknesses mm-hmm. with external environment that either offers opportunity that you can exploit or threat that you have to defend against. The reality is when a firm becomes successful, they feel I have achieved, I have reached the milestone, but the environment never remains the same. Hmm. The dynamic nature of changing environment is where established firms sometimes miss a step or actually ignore the new reality. So, and that's why I love your topic of flip this risk because the minute you start ignoring changes in your external environment, the risk level or potential of existence of your company starts to be coming under question or the risk starts to rise. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I just took a trip to Hawaii and actually was um, went up to one of the crater elevations on one of the most active volcanoes there. Of course, it's been quiet for years and then all of a sudden it starts to <laughs> erupt. Right. And it's just it's the same thing with the business landscape. You, you can never, uh, you know, wrestle your laurels. Uh, but even though when you reach the summit, there's always a chance of you know the environment changes so you have to make those adjustments so why do you create this game called biggie bills and as as it uh, as you describe it it's an interactive strategy thinking system for teaching strategy why do you create the game so uh, as you said i've been connected with the concept of strategy for a long time in fact my dissertation was on how to understand role of middle managers uh, that they play in executing successful strategies of organizations. And that was in 90s. So I'm an old folk. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, so I followed two paths. I've been an academic, but I also have been an entrepreneur. And uh, as an entrepreneur, I started a consulting firm where my focus was training people on understanding challenges of execution of strategy. But also in as an educator, I took a path of being focused in executive training or executive education. And uh, uh, at the St. Uh, uh, Joseph's where I started teaching first and George Mason where I am currently, I'm known as a guy who connects well with executives in training. Mm -hmm. But my frustration has always been people don't understand what really strategy is. So it was back of my mind, how can I make it interesting for people to understand the concepts of strategy? And uh, part of my success story in executive education has been very hands-on uh, class experience where I create experiential exercises, etc., and that I've done for many years. Listen, going back to the extended experience you have and actually coming into developing this game through experiential learning, because we find we're both educators, right? And we're both professionals and in the same field. So was there an example of a company that does strategy well to, to help form the design of your game? Managers actually learn better when you play the game rather than just deliver a lecture. Mm-hmm. So they hired me as a consultant to prove the efficacy of their game. And I created a statistical model to capture uh, across three teachers and three scenarios, uh, co complicated research design. But the short answer is in every scenario, I proved statistically that a short lecture as a uh, pre-brief or debrief followed by a game was 100 times better than a long detailed lecture. No, it makes sense to me because everyone, you know, people, we take in information all the time, but you know, there's a, there's a curve, a learning curve when it comes into learning, of course, you take it in, there's different, three different levels after learning. What happens, uh, you know, in terms of attaching performance to the learning? Is there a change of behavior as a result of the learning? Right, and apparently your game helps to change the behavior which is required, which you can't attain 
by just taking in more information because we're probably over <laughs> overload with executive information, but not behavioral changes and we need some behavioral change in the C-suite. Karen, you bring up a very interesting point. So, so my aim for the development of game was not providing new information, but ability for managers to apply what they already know in a context of strategic decision-making. That makes so thank sense. thank you for highlighting that. Good, within the context of strategy and decision-making. It's what you already know, but within a, certain, a different context. And that's what obviously has been the, the pain point for a lot of organizations. So how has the game been helpful so far for those who, who have been playing it in organizations? Uh, so in the beginning, uh, I would say the game is designed either for uh, senior managers as a one day retreat where they can spend time in a strategy building for next three to five years, right? So that was one approach. Second approach, my original interest always has been the real execution of strategy in any organization is at middle management level. Mm -hmm. But a lot of middle managers don't understand the process by which the strategy is created. So either they blindly follow the guidance they receive from their senior managers, or they become disheartened and they actually sabotage the big strategy. Mm -hmm. So my second approach was after playing the game, I will debrief to middle managers on how this game makes you realize strategy execution can become easier. So originally I had two purposes of the game. One was either to build new strategy as a retreat or execution of strategy over time if the strategy was already built. And both of them worked very well. Uh, again, uh, I'm restricted to use some of the names of my clients. So, but I'll tell you, uh, a subsidiary of a German firm uh, that hired me over one year on uh, implementing their innovation management strategy, their middle managers were extremely excited after playing the game. They realized that they had never appreciated that within given resources, how do you execute your strategy? Their standard complaint was, Oh, I want to do this, but I can't do this because it's not here. It's not available. My big bosses just don't know. And all of a sudden, after playing the game, they all came up to me and said, can we every quarter meet again, play the game second time, third time, and revisit the challenges we face in execution? So that's one mm -hmm. example. Going back to, but all of this was working great until March 2020. Because remember, this was a board game. People sat face to face in tables in the same classroom and they saw each other's moves and they that's why it was extremely dynamic. And everything came to a stop. I lost all my contacts because nobody was meeting face to face. Right. So uh, appropriately for uh, your podcast, now my game was at a risk of whether would I even survive? And it had become a very good tool for my strategy consulting. So actually the question was, uh, do I have a potential of business continuity without this game in strategy consulting field? Uh, so to overcome that challenge, I had two options. I can hope and pray that COVID gets over very soon 
or alternatively, instead of thinking like a risk averse academic, become a risk evaluating entrepreneur and say, if I'm suffering because of consulting is difficult currently, there will be other consultants who will be also suffering. So if I modify my approach, I may actually open up a new market. So with that kind of thought process, I went into, I found somebody who was a game designer uh, after spending a lot of time, effort, and money, uh, he has taken my tabletop card game and now converted completely into digital game. And that has been tremendous because I launched my digital game in April and I have already secured multiple clients uh, and new avenues of markets that I didn't have. And if we have time, I'll elaborate on that. But that's excellent. No, that's excellent because that's a great lesson. And not just for you, but really for all of us, no matter where we are, whether we are employee or entrepreneur or academic, it doesn't really matter. This uh, pandemic, uh, even in a post-pandemic environment, we need to ask that question in terms of what if, right? And what does that scenario look like for, for you? Right. If I can't have this game in person, what's the alternative? Right. What is the alternative? That's, that's what we call alternative analysis. This is a big fancy word, but that's what we do. And that's something that we all can incorporate in terms of this is a great opportunity to rethink how we do what we do, even when it comes to uh, the creative approaches you had designed with with your with your game. So, uh, and, and moving on and, and starting to wrap this up a bit, why is game theory? Now you use some of the game theory to actually come up with this, this game. Why is game theory important in strategy development skills? So, more I speak to people, more I present my uh, current patented game to potential clients, what I'm beginning to realize is that uh, human mind at heart uh, or human mind uh, learns from gamification. We, we all are playful at some level, uh, depending upon our uh, upbringing, whether it's been encouraged or it's been stunted, but we all are playful people. So uh, anything which has to be done routinely, if playfulness can be introduced in that, it becomes more interesting. So from that perspective, now that I've created the game and even before that, when I used to do many hands-on experiential exercises, the idea was that I can give all the knowledge about strategy by PowerPoint and standing in front of the audience. And some people appreciate that and I'm not a bad platform speaker, so it works. But it gets even more exciting when for a while I take away the structure of student, teacher, lecturer, knowledge giver, knowledge seeker, and we all just get involved in playing the game. Wow. So, the, the, I love that in terms of removing the structure because that's what we've done with this remote working. 
and found out that people can be productive. And so these are interconnectivity and connection between all of this uh, learning here in terms of game theory and strategy and removing structures and, ex and experiential learning and how that experiential learning actually really uh, took a big boost during COVID because that's what we've been doing. We've relearning how we do we work, how we do our work, right? And still being productive. Well, Mahesh, listen, I want to thank you for being here today. I want to leave you with the, any uh, last words that you want to leave it with, leave us with. So wonderful win-win. So I, and from that perspective, I love the idea that somebody will say, I took a risk of putting a lot of money converting the game. In my case, as per your podcast title, I flipped the risk. <laughs> you sure did. You sure did flip this risk. <laughs> you did it well. Absolutely. And you went from one to one yourself to one to many. Thank by, you. digi by digitizing the experience. So you can digitize experiential learning. You don't have to physically be there exactly. to have a successful experiential learning. I think that's something we can all take away from this, this uh, conversation we've had with you. So Mahesh, thank you again for being here. And I want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in to Flip This Risk Podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Hardy, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you very much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Helping you feel secure is our strategy. All the way from the boardroom to the barbershop down the street. Subscribe at flipthisriskpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.